everyone can agree that if there's one thing in business uh, we all excel in, it's, it's pointless meetings. <laughs> we're, we're great at it. And a friend of mine recently blogged and asked uh, this question. He said, like, what if meetings were optional? Like, what if meetings were optional? Like, what if, uh, you know, you had to actually think, uh, you know, who's going to come to my meeting? Like, you know, and why are they going to come to my meeting? Like, Susan, I just want to put this one to you. Uh, my question really here is, like, what do we need to consider, like, when we're having these meet meaningful uh, meetings? Mm, I mean, yeah, it's interesting. I, I'm, I'm, like, resisting your question because I... I... I don't feel like any of my meetings these days are a waste of time um, because they all have got an, an, an objective, right? Um, and as long as I know what the objective of the meeting is, then I can make a decision whether or not it's something that is um, gonna add value, that I'm gonna either be able to add value to or something that is going to bring me value. It just um, oftentimes there, there's a, a, a process practice that the three of us, um, uh, really love called open space technology. And one of the principles of open space technology is the, the law of mobility. So that if you are neither um, uh, contributing to the conversation or learning something, it's, it's actually your responsibility to uh, relocate yourself somewhere else. And I think that if I reflect on your question and think about the times where I was in meetings where I had that feeling of them being a waste of time. It was probably normally a download from the person in the room um, that we in our parlance call the hippo. So, so the highest paid person's opinion, um, either a yeah download of information or um, somebody kind of sucking the space out of the room, pretending that they want input and um, collaboration for others, but but really don't. Um, a reflection of data or information that didn't necessarily need to be um, communicated in that way. Um, and I think that one thing that this uh, move towards virtual work has enabled and it was really interesting for me to watch this, especially at the beginning of the pandemic, that um, lots of people were just trying to figure out a way to take their old in-person meetings and bring them online. But I think more and more I'm seeing organizations looking at, well, well no, how can we really rethink our assumptions about meetings and what they're for and create uh, use, use this time and in, in this technology to actually um, think differently. There's a... Uh, an organization that we talk about and reference a lot in the book um, called Percolab out of uh, Montreal have a really great um, template called the wise agenda. And they reckon that uh, uh, topics for meetings fall into four categories. One is just, yeah, it's just like a good place to have everybody in one place at one time to communicate information that is better communicated in person because there might be some, some questions that are relevant to everybody. Um, there are uh, scenarios where you do uh, need to update something and need to uh, have um, a space to actually share what you've learned and get reflections on that from, from people in the moment. There are opportunities that you might wanna to take to actually work together. So for example, if we were crafting an invitation to 
to an event, it might just be far more um, efficient to uh, all jump on a Google Doc and kind of jam together on what we're trying to do. And then the fourth is if we need to make decisions together. So especially if you have a culture and a, and a um, sort of a proposal-based um, uh, rituals where uh, somebody that's holding a particular role would like to exercise their advice process in the room to just ask for information to uh, put into their decision. Or even if you have a practice of doing some sort of integrated decision-making or generative decision-making together to be able to do that. Now, this sounds like a lot, but what I really love about the Wise Agenda format is that it, 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 lives, it lives in the shared drive and there's a particular amount of time per meeting. And so it's up to the person that's offering um, uh, that the particular, has the particular need to actually put a time box on that and put the category there. And it allows uh, the opportunity for us to really co both collectively manage our time and because it's there ahead of time to make that decision using the law of mobility. Is this a, is this a session I really need to be at or not? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like the two things that I, I really enjoyed from just what you, you talked about was just kind of uh, taking ownership of, of, of the meeting and then, and then thinking about process, like how, how to make the meeting as effective as you possibly can and that kind of bridges over to another part of uh, your book, which is radical responsibility. And there's a, a great anonymous quote at the beginning, which is, you know, a story of four people named everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. Uh, and there's an important job to be done and everybody was asked to do it. Uh, everybody was sure somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, uh, but nobody did. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, like this, this sounds to me like a lot of companies uh, and your concept of radical responsibility, it presents this alternative, like a choice to assume ownership for each and every situation we face, a choice to take back our power and to focus on solutions rather than blame. Um, but Travis, like how can radical responsibility transform companies? Yeah, it's such a fun question. And I, I talk to um, leaders all the time. They're like, I'd, I'd love to do this leading together. And nobody on my team wants to take radical responsibility and uh, lean into that. So like, they're like, if other people just did this, we'd all be fine. And I was like, well, great. Why don't we actually use that lens and uh, work with that? So you want other people to do this uh, thing where, where we look at what's going on in the other system and we say, how do I have some sort of stake? How am I contributing to this, right? So when, when we turn that lens back inwards, we say like, all right, if, if everything that was happening here was in somehow being impacted by something you were doing, what might you be doing that's enabling the, uh, the system so that uh, other people aren't stepping up as, uh, as they might say? Uh, and, and then they can realize like, oh, you know what? They don't have the, the information that they need. There's nothing transparency. Or when people have stepped up before, they, they've gotten punished for it because people blame the person that's taking initiative. Um, or other parts of the organization aren't going to react well to this. So there might be some, some hidden things that might be more influenced by the, the current named leader then they, they realize. And so when we can start looking at that radical responsibility, it means that we're, 
we're at cost for everything that's in the system. And so that we have, but that expands our locus of control. And so people will step into that if they see other people doing that, especially uh, the, the people that had the, the named authority. And, and if part of that, there's an invitation to say, hey, would you like to join me in this, uh, this journey together? It's not an expectation, but it's an invitation.